Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey, pilot, you're cleared to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit, powered by Lyft Aviation, one of the best companies on the planet for aviation. I'm Mark. And I'm Jeff. And we're back. We're yeah. back. It's another week. Another guest. We're just killing it with guests. I'm nervous about this one. Yeah, you didn't even really surprise you. I had it all set up. Usually Mark is the one who does all the planning, but I'm like, you know what? Gotta help my boy out here. Gotta I love do some it. planning. I love it. This will this will keep me on my toes. Um, yeah, we're, I'm super excited because uh, um, so we have Angela Victoria on, and we um, you know this will just be kind of a fun shift from our normal talk and and kind yeah. of a normal guest structure. You know, um, you know, kind of uh, talk to an up and comer um, within IAC and and get her story and get her journey. And uh, I think that'll be fun yeah. for a lot of people. So uh, I also want to find some some dirt out on Lee. She's from. Um... IAC three down. I guess it's Atlanta, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we most so. we we want to find some stuff out about Lee. I mean, just so we, we have some, some dirt. dirt. Yeah, yeah, we need some dirt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. Um, get another. Uh, I just like that. It seems like from her social media, <clears throat> um, she's flying with Marty, doing a lot of acro. Um, we really don't know a lot about about her, so it should be pretty organic. And yeah. Uh, should be fun yeah no th- this will be fun this will be super fun um and it'll be interesting to get her take on things you know always a fresh take like some of the kind of the, the the running themes that we we've had on this podcast you know we talk a lot about the right aerobatic platform right the right airplane and um we got a lot of feedback from last week's episode that um that we can talk about and mustache maybe tie her in didn't get didn't get much on the mustache um but just talking about, you know, why people pick airplanes and picking the right airplane. And, and we've had that, you know, that seems to be one of the more common topics that we talk about because it's so important. And it's it's such a relevant topic, right? Whether you bring the yeah. economics of it in or the ability of the airplane in um, or the ability of the person um, and you factor all those in. And I mean, that just seems to be such a prominent, um, such a prominent topic. Uh, yeah. And so we did get quite a few comments and, and messages about uh, just picking the right airplane. And we, we talked a lot about, you know, things like the Sukhoi and like these uh, cheaper airplanes or modifying uh, airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really nice discussion with Eric Moore on uh, he, it was funny because, you know, Eric, uh, he, he he owns the laser out, out here in the West Coast. Fucking clown. What an idiot. No, he's he's awesome. <laughs> um, he, he's, he's super awesome. Um, and. Kind of our comments about what airplanes were needed for what category, and um, it was funny because um, you know we made mention of 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 like the extra three hundred and three hundred L, like where they're competitive. Like the, obviously the the difference between doing a maneuver right, you know, and doing it well, um, mm-hmm. are two different things. And doing it well, well, no, no, I'll I'll, I'll step back. Doing it and doing it competitively are two different things, and. Um, 
it's just an interesting discussion because you know at face value you know i I do agree like the like an airplane like a 300l you know it's an old airplane legacy airplane right um it could do all the maneuvers in advance for sure and be competitive in advance unlimited that's a tough sell i I don't know and and it's just interesting to kind of have that back and forth with people um when you when you look at that uh, you know different airplane capabilities but one airplane we did not mention at all shout out to ian day for this is the Yak 55. Yes. We didn't Point talk about it. the Yak 55 at all. Um, like it didn't even exist. And that yeah. is a huge disservice because that's kind of like, <clears throat> what's that? Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was saying it's kind of like that guy that shows up to like practice, like whether you're, whatever sport you're playing, like baseball or lacrosse or football, and he's really good, but he's got shitty equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the Yak 55 to me. Yeah, it's kind of like a, if an airplane was a homeless like drifter, it, it'd be a, a Yak 55. Like the equipment's shitty, but it works because it's got the right person playing with it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. the Yak 55 can work if it's got the right pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an extremely capable airplane. It, it's so cheap. I love the idea, too. Like uh, I was talking to uh, um, one of the guys I did an extra checkout for in Southern California uh, was friends with uh, Kevin Eldridge, uh, who is a you know pretty well known Reno air racer and um, in 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 a lot of circles very very well known and highly regarded. Uh, he owned an SBOC. and so we were actually talking about that um, last month. And I think I was telling you like the idea of having an airplane show up in boxes, and, and you just yeah. have to slap it together. There, there's something really cool about that to have a crate, you know be pushed into your hangar and you're like all right i'm gonna slap some wings and tail on this shit and and let's go and uh the yak 55 was the same way right came in you know you order it comes in a container and i forgot i forgot the the price uh but it was cheap i mean the yaks were so cheap and uh pretty capable airplane for for what it was and still is you know it's still still uh an airplane that that we should probably keeping the lexicon a little bit more. I don't know how well it would do in unlimited now, but certainly highly capable and advanced. And I'd be curious, you know, we need to get um, Eric Lentz Gautier on here because uh, he, he he's arguably, I don't know anybody else doing anything in the yak 55 like he is. And he'd nah. be a great person to talk to you on, on that. But um, anyway, uh, I, I digress, but uh, it's been <laughs> fun to kind of talk about that stuff and, Get a lot of feedback. Got a lot of feedback I love on, uh, on that. Another uh, thing we got uh, feedback on before we get to Angela is we were talking about two plays side by side with with Alon, right? And we've talked yeah. about this before. One airplane we did not mention, and it's 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 it wasn't produced in high enough numbers or is not kind of not in the mix of of airplanes that are used enough, I guess. But uh, the Robin, yeah, or the one fifty two Aerobat. Or the 152 Arabat. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of airplanes we didn't mention that that are great. Uh, accessible now, side by side, low horsepower, lower performance, but good. Maybe upset recovery, spin, and and basic aerobatic trainers. Um, the Robin's not my favorite. Uh, of uh, It's probably the least favorite of any of them. But it's still, be that as it may, capable um, of doing it. No, 100%. But, um. What else, dude? What else? What? Uh, not a whole lot going on in um, the aerobatic world right now. Things are quiet. I think I think Canada is frozen over. Um, everybody's uh, hibernated for the winter. 
Yeah, Canada's and, having their frozen maple syrup pops right now, just sitting by yeah. the fire. Yep, ice fishing. Cast iron stove, making some uh, Canadian bacon. Whittling whittling square wheels out of wood to put on do their they, cars. Do Canadians knit denim? denim? Yes. I actually I think just, they have spiders that, that instead of spitting out silk, it spits out denim, and then they just... They just sit there and make denim jeans and jackets and hats. all day, all day, all day. Yeah. I hope if, if Canada had, had, had the, uh, the nerve or whatever to do it, their warm up gear for worlds should be denim. Even if it's just like printed denim, like not real denim, but looks like denim, but they should show up to worlds and Jean Nevada in denim or like cut off, cut off denim pants. That'd be so sick. Like, cut, like Dude. Daisy Duke. Can you, can you imagine Luke and Ryan and Daisy Dukes? Oh my god, that's really funny. We we should talk about that. Actually, hold on. <laughs> just get our guest on. No. That'd be really funny, <laughs> right? Just hate on. Person. Let's just hate on hate on Canada. <laughs> you know, that's something that we can all agree on is that we all hate Canada. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, uh, we got to get them back on. But yeah, there's it's kind of all quiet right now. Mm-hmm. It seems like um, air show season's kind of ramping. It's not here yet, but I'm sure everybody's, you know, Rob, Rob is prepping hard. Um, I think I've been hearing some, some, I've been hearing uttered uh, words of camps here and there. There was a camp in SoCal with a few of the guys on the U.S. team um, or former U.S. team members. Other than that, pretty quiet. Awesome, man. Pretty quiet right now. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. Well, I see Angela is in the green room here. Hey. Ooh. Hey. Oh, hey. Could you hear us that whole time? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. That's yeah, what happens when you send just, links, I you have idiot. Like, I have, like, one little thing to add is that, like, if you are going to suggest that they wear denim, that the denim warm-ups need to be lined with flannel. Oh, my God. That's yeah. incredible. That's a, that's a good point. What yeah. color? Definitely like lumberjack red, you know. Yeah, right. Red and black checkerboard. This way they could play some checkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a sheep and oh sheep's wool collars. Like you gotta make it and real the funny, warm. The funny thing too is like the guy Ryan Chapman can show up in like, you know, cut off jeans, red flannel, whatever, and nobody's gonna say anything to him because he would just squash you. The guy is just a freaking <laughs> monster. <laughs> He's a monster. <laughs> like, oh, you look great, Ryan. Oh yeah, no, that was totally like you pulling it off, man. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> As he's like got veins popping out of his biceps. Jesus. <laughs> Angela, I'm oh. super excited to have you on because I don't know much uh, uh, a whole lot about you, um, other than we follow each other on social media, and you seem to be super passionate about aerobatics and aviation. And this is, I was we were talking, uh, I think before you popped in, but you know. We we try to get a varied um we well at least we did try for a while and then it seemed to be we're getting like a very singular type of guest on. Um, but try to get varied guests on, you know, in varied levels of experience in their journey through IAC and through competition. And we would love to get your story. Okay. Um, yeah, I was like really confused why you guys invited me on because like I I had heard of the podcast and um you know, when you sent me the invite, I went and like looked at who you had on most recently, and you said, like, <laughs> Alon and RJ Gritter. And I was like, this does not seem 
like the place for me. Like I'm a baby aerobatic pilot. Like I've only been doing it, you know, for a year, really. Um, I guess all the more reason. All, yeah. And that's, and that's exactly why. I mean, when we, when, when I initially had the idea for this podcast, it was like, I want to talk to my heroes, but I also want it to be for everybody. And yeah, not everybody can, can relate to a Rob Holland. I, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I can't really relate to Rob Holland. Uh, Jeff can, I don't think anybody but, can, <laughs> you know? So it's like, th- those are great interviews. Um, but not everybody, if everybody thinks that that's, uh, what what you have to do or who you have to be to be in the IEC or to to compete, then um, I, I feel like that creates more of a barrier to entry than anything, you know. So in hearing um, people that that are are kind of young in their career or young in their in their passion or hobby in into the sport, and and they're not necessarily struggles, but but your trials and tribulations, you know, it's all it's not all ups. It's got to be downs. It's, it's a challenge. And um, hearing those stories, I feel like we're so much more relatable to. Uh, to people yeah. like me personally, and certainly to a lot of people that listen to the podcast. And that it's important. It's super important. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can definitely bring some um, relatable content to um, some, you know, former sportsman pilots or some current sportsmen and primary pilots, um, you know, with some first time mess ups at contests and, you know, practice <laughs> tribulations. So, um, yeah, I'm all about it. Um, awesome. but it's been an, a super interesting journey so far, so I'm more than happy to share it. So how long, how have, long you have you been flying? Been... Yeah. Mark and I are like the same uh, person. <laughs> same page. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I've been flying since 2018, I guess. That's when I first started. And, um, I started in Florida on Eglin Air Force Base at a little 141 school called the Eglin Aero Club. Um, and that's where I got my private pilot license. Um, are you a military brat or are you in the military? No, I was a civilian contractor on Eglin. Um, but, um, while I was getting my, you know, I was finishing up my pilot pilot cert. I, when was this? Say, Say that again. Uh, what year was this? 2018. Okay, cool. Yeah. While I was finishing that up, I went home for Christmas up to Missouri. And I was like, man, like, if I'm going to be up there, I might as well try and do some flying. Um, so I was looking up, you know, different places to fly. And that's how I came across aerobatics. Um, I found a yellow page ad for an aerobatic <laughs> discovery flight. And um, I went up in my first aerobatic flight in a Pitts S2C and I was hooked. Um, and that was what really pushed me to pursue this professionally because I looked up what it took to be an aerobatic pilot, not necessarily professionally, but to be able to afford it. And I it was like, well, if I want to be able to afford this type of flying, I might as well become a professional pilot um, because it's too expensive of a hobby to try and pay for it with like a different kind of job. So that I got told, I I got told early on in my flying, but this is like as a student pilot uh, getting my private, my instructor told me something that I never forgot. And it's the path that I chose. And I think it was the correct one is you can either get paid to fly or you got to go make a lot of money to pay to fly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 
not, I mean, you know, a lot of people make so much more money outside of the aviation sector than a lot of people in aviation make, but, um, it's, you know, the professional pilot path is, is a great path to choose. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to fly anything that I can get my hands on at this point. Um, anyone, you know, that's, crazy enough to let me step inside and give it a go. Like I'll, I'll fly just about anything, um, that they'll allow me to. Um, (laughs) so that's kind of my journey right now. Um, as far as aerobatic aircraft, helicopters, airplanes, I'll, I'll get in anything and I'll try it at least once. So, so you flew the pits who, do you remember who you flew with? Uh, you know, I could, I could look it up, but he, um, He's at he's out of the Spirit of St. Louis Airport, um, and I had his. I actually reached out to him. I found his contact information, and I reached out to him before my first contest, and I sent him a picture of the plane that I had been flying, and I kept him updated the whole contest. Let me see if I can. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I. Um, that's super cool. Well, I just wanted to let him know that, like, you know, his discovery flight didn't go in vain. Like, it actually you know, had a lasting effect. Um, I gotta be cool honest though. with you too. That's as an instructor or as somebody that does flights like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the absolute best thing they can receive hands yeah. down that and alcohol, right? If you sent, if you sent, <laughs> you know, a, um, a nice bottle of wine, that'd be pretty <laughs> sweet too. But, um, no, that that's awesome. I, that brightens my day whenever somebody's like, Hey, that thing I was working on, I finished it or, Hey, I started doing this. It's the, that's the best. Well, I think a lot of people like it looks so unapproachable aerobatics. And then like, once you get the right person to talk to or give you, a, give you a ride, it's like, Oh, I can do this. Like, this isn't yeah. that intimidating and it's fun. Um, so it's just getting the right person. And there's people out there that just kind of like give the wrong impression of it and give like, well, there's certainly people that thrill ride. Totally. Well, there's people that make it unappro- uh, you know, unapproachable. We've talked about that in the past. You know, it's it's all about who you talk to. I remember, um, you know, early on, this is now, okay, I'm 40. So let's, let's walk this back 25 years, at least uh, hanging around chapter 38 in uh, the Bay Area. And some of the people you talk to at chapter 38, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll never, I'm not, I will never belong. Right. And, you know, I think that's that, that mantra has kind of largely changed. Uh, throughout the IAC it's trying to get more approachable because now it's like a lot of chapters are, are and the IAC as a whole are kind of not begging for membership but it's that's a key focus is 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 membership and and you know retention so it's good that that's changed and it, it, that could just make or break somebody's initial impression of of aerobatics absolutely that's um that's something that we're kind of focusing on at the university that I'm at middle georgia state and um they, uh, you know, our, our club that we, we founded, um, here is really just all about introducing people to that type of flying, not even necessarily to the sport, but just to upset recovery type of flying and discovery flight type things for aerobatics. Um, and Marty, you guys probably know Marty. I mean, I, I haven't met a single aerobatic pilot that doesn't know who Marty is, um, oh, yeah. but he has been incredibly helpful. Super generous. Yeah. No, He's super great ambassador for the sport. No, super generous. Doesn't even begin to cover it. Um, 
like the, this year is the first year that like the, the club at the university has actually gained traction. And we had a bunch of students who were super interested in going to their first contest, not necessarily to compete, but just to volunteer and like be around it. Um, I say that all the time, like just not to cut you off, but like, it's so fun just to go to. And like, I feel like, I don't know, you could tell me if I'm right or wrong in this because you're, you're a great gauge right now because you you just entered it in 2019, but it seemed like the IC kind of had like this, like image that you had to be a pilot to go there. You, you had to fly to be able to attend it. And like, nobody knew that you could just sign up to become a member for 39 bucks and go hang out, volunteer or watch. Yeah, no, they like, they, none of these, you know, kids at this university have any idea what the IAC is or how to be a part of it. Um, Which is why I'm like really glad that we have like a chapter so close to us um, that is so good about reaching out and getting people involved. Like I know, I know of probably four or five chapters, like personally within my experience at this point that I've had with the IAC Um, and IAC three, the, the Bear Creek bunch is by far the most welcoming chapter that I've come across. And they're so enthusiastic <laughs> and driven of bringing in new people to the sport. Um, is that amazing how you can see that variance within chapters? Yeah, no, it's, it's like, it's really interesting because like, you'll see, you'll see some chapters that like are very content with the members that they have. And you know, yeah. that's fine. Like if that dynamic works for you, that's fantastic. But at the same time, let's just think about it, how it's going to look 15 years from now when some of your pilots like start to lose their medicals or, you know, they sell their share of their plane and they're no longer competing. Uh, like the membership's going to go away. It's going to start to do yeah. down. Like there's no retention in that. You have to bring new people in each year in order for something to continue. Um, and, you know, this is a, this is very much, um, a sport of privilege um and you have to make it accessible to the people who will be able to afford it in the future who you know may not be able to afford it right now but the they can definitely afford it in the future when they get their feet underneath them um in their careers but you have to introduce it to them when they're young so Plant that the they early get, yeah they can get involved in it well, it's also a way to, to network, you know, form a partnership, meet people. I think that's one of the only ways right now, a legitimate way that that will be able to form a partnership within an airplane to do it. You know, if it's not the if it's not uh, the best way or if it's not the only way, I think it's it's the best way. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is a smart way to do it. And th- you bring up a good point, Angela, of um, chapters being content of of kind of what, what they have and where they're at and not wanting to rock that boat. That is very much um the chapter that um i mean i belong to it like i and i don't compete and have no desire to still don't um but i'll go and and go into tracy this year and, and I'll, I'll help volunteer for the the contest and whatnot but um uh that was a chapter very much and it might probably still have uh some some uh some roots in in that mindset but very much yeah, it gets back like in the clicky. Day, very clicky it, 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 it's still it's still that way. Um, whether that's right or wrong or good or bad, I, I won't I won't make a comment on. But it, it absolutely still is that way. Um, most of the members that I remember as a kid being that 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 
that I, I mean, I would have loved to be asked to volunteer as a kid at a chapter contest and, and get invited to the meetings. That would have been amazing. Um, I, I did end up going to the meetings because the aerobatic flight school that I was learning at um, happened to host the chapter meetings. But it was like, OK, I'll be I'll be that kid on the wall at 17. You know, like I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide in the closet and I'm going to just kind of observe this chapter meeting. It was, wasn't very welcoming in that regard. Um, but to, you know, and, and they, they were, I think even back then probably content with, with the group they had and some chapters to be fair, some chapters can't grow. Right. Um, there's, there's logistical pressures like, like the Bay area. It's like, we can't physically host critique days, uh, with 25 airplanes. There's no, there's no room for it. There's no airspace for it. So to grow it, like you would want to, um, I don't know that it'd be like prohibitive to do some of these things, but, um, yeah, welcoming you know to be welcoming for, would be for things like that i think that's when we really need to push each other as chapters um to kind of think outside the box and like mm-hmm. do joint practice days and and things like that for people who you know do have the airspace that can host something like that like if we want to continue to be able to like grow the chapters have to be able to support one another Um, and that's not really something that you see unless it's at an aerobatic contest and people are, you know, trying to get the Leo award or trying to, you know, um, there's a motivation there. Yeah. There's a motivation, you know, like, or they just want to compete. They want to like push the plane out of the hangar and go fly. Um, but that's really the only time that you see, you know, chapter support within the IAC. Um, you don't see it just like from people like, Oh, I'm a member of IAC three, but I'm also going to go ahead and like write my name down as a supporter of like chapter 23 or, you know, right. Or anything like that. So, um, I think if we want the, the network, the chapter network to continue to grow and be successful, chapters have to help each other. Um, especially right now, because after COVID, like I was looking into it, um, you know, IAC activity was at an all time low, um, you know, chapter contests were getting canceled left and right because pre-registrations like weren't going through. Um, it looks like it's improved quite a bit from last year, which is fantastic. This year will be the real litmus test of, of either yeah. recovery or kind of the snapshot. Cause there's um, and not to get, not to bring the political crosshairs uh, on, on Jim Burke or anything like that. But, you know, we saw with um, nationals, not last year, but the previous year in uh, 2021, mm-hmm. uh, some drama, right. Uh, with, without getting back into it. But, um, and then you, you kind of had some factions that were saying, okay, um, you know, uh, uh, not believing in what the the IC president is doing, we're not going to go to this ch- contest. We're canceling memberships, this and that. Then you kind of saw some contests get a um, last year uh, canceled for uh, pre registration la- uh, lack thereof. Um, but then nationals was arguably one of the best. Um, I, I didn't go back very far, but certainly um, no no evidence of I, I think anything other than um, utmost participation and support, and it went off without a hitch, but I'd like to see, you know, this year would be a really interesting test to see if, if, um, you know, what, what really was the cause? Is it, was it COVID and, and recovering from COVID and slowly, 
or uh, you know anything else. I, I think I think you're right though. I think I think it was COVID, and I think um, you know last year it was just probably you know. I mean, there was weather, there was, there's, you know, we're still recovering e- economically last year uh, for a lot of people, a lot of industries. So I, I, I just think, you know, it's just a slow rebuild and recovery from, from COVID. Yeah, I had oddly enough. So like I had just gotten started um, kind of on the tail end of COVID, you know, cause I had my first aerobatic discovery flight in 2018, I think, but I really didn't get started with my aerobatic I don't know if you want to call it like a career or whatever. Sure. Um, I don't, yeah, my journey. Um, I didn't really get it started until, oh gosh, um, fall of 2021. Like if I'm being completely honest, like that was when I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to dedicate like two, maybe three flights a week. Well, what'd you do? You you said you were in Mississippi. Um, no, no. Or sorry, Missouri. Um, Georgia um, is where. So Georgia is where I started the aerobatic flight training process. I did my discovery flight in Missouri out of the Spirit of St. Louis Airport. So I didn't right. really start training for aerobatics until I was at the university. So I I was working in Florida, had gone home for Christmas, did that discovery flight, went back to Florida. Um, and within those few months, you know, had applied for middle Georgia state university, decided it was the best course of action to like get all of the certificates and ratings that I needed, um, to pursue aviation professionally. Uh, and within that degree is where I started upset recovery, got my tailwheel endorsement, and then took the basic aerobatics course that the university was offering at the time. They're not currently. I didn't offering. even know that that university had that, to be honest with you until oh, yeah. like I saw it on your uh, social media. Yeah. So we have a Citabria and then we have a super decathlon. Um, and the decathlon's great. It has, doesn't have any spades, uh, has an inverted system for fuel and oil. It's she, her name's Tara. Um, Tara. she's, yeah. White she, Tara. I don't know. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's the name that was passed down to me um, by my tailwheel and my upset recovery instructor, uh, Julia um, Snipes. She's Julia, you know, is who did my upset recovery training. And uh, she told me that plane's name is Tara. So that right. name is Tara. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it stuck. Um, it stuck. And then the Satabria's name is Sally. So um i don't know it's just two really good girl names i guess but yeah we've been doing like airplane names we even did it with alan on the uh, podcast before we named his new mx alana so <laughs> yeah but he doesn't like it which means that we have to keep calling it that well and yeah and he doesn't get to choose we are just yeah. going to call his airplane alana i feel like for a man that has patiently waited for his blessed airplane for like more than a year or is it two it's Uh, five five (laughs) okay honestly i think it's it's i think it's almost three okay for a man that has patiently waited for this airplane to be done i think he should be the one to pick the name of his plane no, oh, you just you just want to get a ride in it. They're no. just trying to be nice right now. <laughs> I, I don't think it, is it a is it a single? I thought it was a single seater. Oh, it's no, uh, it's it's it, not only is it not a single seat, it's an MX two with two seats, and 
Guys, if you want to ride in Alon's airplane, that's A-L-A-I-N. Oh my God. No, 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 no. In fact, if We're you just want to if you just want to use it, just, just call borrow it. He'll be glad. Yeah, he'll, just, he'll be glad to lend it to you. No, I think he's okay, dry so, leasing. Dry lease guys, spots I've are met, available today. I've met Alon <laughs> a handful of times. Um, I've had I think I can like count on my hand the amount of times that we've had like a conversation. And the majority of those conversations included me trying to get him a referral for my flight instructor for um, Wheels Up. And then the other one was for like my first aerobatic freestyle. And I was like trying, I had sent sent him a screenshot of it. And I was like, what (laughs) am I doing? Um, I love that. Talked me through it. But uh, no, please don't give him any trouble. He's, He's a nice, he's a nice dude. One of the more professional men that i've come across in the uh aerobatic community so i would have a mustache huh he's got a hell of a mustache that's great um <laughs> <you're> not <laughs> so yeah you know what like the mustache just, just a lot of hate the mustache just gets hate i don't get it i feel he's, like i don't know are you like are you stuck on this because like you don't have good I facial hair I guess so. I mean, I'm just getting a lot of flash. I grew one too. You, you guys, know? I want you to know that like the aerobatic community will support you regardless you. of your facial hair status or not. So that's you know good to hear. I just want to I want to be like that. Top Gun. That's what it is. This stupid guy came out oh with a mustache. Gosh. Now my wife is like, you gotta grow a mustache. And here I am looking like a doofus. If I could just picture <laughs> Jeff. Is Jeff it really Martin? bad? I'll send you I, a picture. No, I that's okay. Just, you should probably just shave it. I can no. you just imagine? No, can you imagine Jeff just running around Long, Long Island, be like, "I want to look like Rusta, Rusta." <laughs> you know, I feel like we should make some stickers, the IAC, that says we bully bad mustaches. And oh just my god, that's really them funny, at aerobatic <laughs> contest. No, well, we were talking about like. I don't know if you listened a couple weeks ago, we were talking about forming teams for nationals. So like you'd have mm-hmm. like a three person intermediate team or a three person and you get like five or six teams and you do like a team championship, blah, blah, blah. But like my team, you would have to have a mustache. Like we'd all have, it doesn't matter. Like if it was like, so I don't, on. you know, um, even if you were on our team, I'd make you get implants, like, like implants, you know, I mustache would implants. Just like, stick, like as much as I would protest of like, Okay, first of all, the implants aren't happening. Like, I'll just be flat out. Um, how, Angela, how dedicated are you to this team or not? Yeah, seriously, okay. get your shit together. You get your shit okay. together. You're the one that can't even yes. cut off the mustache. I know, it's terrible. You get the implants. Okay, you get the implants and I'll do the adhesive, okay? like. Okay, fine. You are my favorite guest. Bet. Well, I just, I strive for anything but perfection pretty much so um, that's on my resume somewhere well okay so that was definitely a lie but you can put it on there as long as you quote me (laughs) i love it i love it um but yeah no i i strive for pretty much anything but perfection uh i kind of made my motto in aviation like i don't fly good i fly safe um And I kind of got out of the mindset of trying to make everything perfect because I realized when I was trying to figure out the world of like being upside down, the more I tried to be perfect, the more unsafe I was being. 
with certain things, like certain maneuvers. Yeah. So is like, that kind of like not seeing the forest through the trees on a given maneuver, maybe like yeah, maybe you're, you're or like just not paying attention to like I don't know my airspeed or like the yeah. stall horn or whatever, <laughs> you know, In, so. ignoring gates in in the in the interest of of capping the maneuver off correctly or or a crisp. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I discovered um, the aerobatic envelope on a lot of different aircraft really quickly. Um, yeah. So then my motto kind of changed, like, you know, I want to be able to do this for a long time, um, yes. you know, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, from not dying. And then two, um, because, like, I don't want to break airplanes that, like, I can't afford to fix. And then three, I don't want to scare myself out of doing this. So yeah. when I started focusing on, like, I don't fly to be perfect, I fly to be safe, the more safe I fly the better it looks and the better my scores are. I believe that. Yeah. Believe so that. It, it was kind of like a change in mindset because it makes me pay attention a lot more. Well, and there's like a, there's a level of, if you're flying to perfection, you're, you're pushing. I don't mean literally pushing uh, in, in terms of negative, but like you're, you're pushing, you're pushing the maneuvers, right? You're pushing, um, you're pushing yourself. And so you'll not be riskier, but it, it might come across or, or you might, you might do something that you wouldn't normally do. Whereas if you, if you, you know, pay attention to the gates and then maybe add a little bit of your, uh, your own, um, I mean, obviously passion, passion into the maneuvers, it'll probably come across differently. Maybe a little bit more artistic. It'll probably look better. You'll probably fly better. Um, certainly less robotic. Yeah, you know, no, I, I definitely agree. Like, I'm not saying this in a rope, like in a sense of like, I'm flying it robotically like there's definitely a cadence to it it's a dance like the plane is your mm -hmm. dance partner um and i'm not saying that like eventually i'm not going to take risks but like while i'm still very much getting down the basics and and whatnot like it's about the margin of safety um and right now um like i spend a lot of time just trying to wrap my mind around the aerodynamics of the aircraft because you know you're not it now it's not just in like an xy plane you know it's in an xyz plane it's you yep. know 360 um and you know what might have been procession um in one plane is turning into you know torque or slipstream in a different plane because you're moving it you you know sure. the the control surfaces are turning into different things you know now your elevator is a rudder and vice versa and your ailerons are acting like a, a fin they're not ailerons anymore so like you know taking the time to sit there and picture it is really fun um and i i know that makes me sound like a really really big nerd but like you know just picturing the air molecules and like what that looks like flowing over the different surfaces of the aircraft to me like while you're doing different maneuvers that's so neat and it's that's super what, neat yeah that's like what my debriefs sound and kind of look like is like what what the airflow looks like at different points of those maneuvers and why that's a smart way to do it though because yeah. you know we talk about aerobatic iq a lot and and you you touched on so many things within the last two minutes that could be a four hour podcast, you know, talk about, you know, longevity in the sport, right. Not taking undue risk, uh, not pushing yourself um, here for a long time, not just a good time. All, all those kind of things. 
um, part of that is knowing the why, you know, um, you, uh, Jeff knows so many people like this. Um, I, I not so much, but you know, those people that they can fly a maneuver and they are really, really good at these maneuvers. If there's no variances in the environment yeah, around them, right. That's the problem. And, and as soon as that happens, they can't adjust. They mm. falter. And the reason you mean, why like they no do crosswind, that, like there's sure. no wind and stuff. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or maybe they, uh, maybe the gate was entered, maybe they entered slowly and high power setting. Right. And so torque became more of a factor during this maneuver that you pulled and not the other nine times you practiced it. Right. There was some, there was some change and you're trying to make lemonade out of the maneuver. You're trying to, you're trying to make it, trying to pull the maneuver off correctly, but there's been some change. Sure. Cross one in the box, um, different winds, um, different density altitude, mm -hmm. but even then, you know, even if you just, uh, you know, the, the entry speed was different. So things are different. Your pulls different. Your forces are different and being, not being able to adjust for that on the fly. Um, yeah, that that's a huge, huge factor. And knowing the why, knowing where that airflow is, knowing what your control services are doing at a given moment, knowing what your left turning tendencies are doing, or unless you fly a Russian piece of crap, your right turning tendencies. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Okay. Um, man, I feel like really bad uh, that you, that's a cool airplane. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In fact, we, uh, before you came on, we were just talking about, you know, we've been seeing a lot of people not to, uh, <laughs> Uh, divulge the conversation, but talking about obviously, you know, a few people picked up Sukhois. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's a rumor that uh, Patrick Davidson's is also coming to the U.S. Somebody has purchased that. We don't know who. So um, one Canadian uh, team member has a Sukhoi. Potentially a couple people in the U.S. Uh, Sukhois, amazing airplane. One airplane we didn't talk about was the Act 55, which obviously uses you know uh, the same and the same engine in some of the platforms M14P. Great airplane, great advanced and potential unlimited, you know, capable uh, airplanes. So I, we love them. I'm, I, I'm totally uh, tongue in cheek on that. But yeah, no, um, they're like they're like big draft horses of the aerobatic community. Oh yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like it's a great way to describe like it. Like the Clydesdales. Um, yeah. So they're huge. I think Marco just got a Sukhoi, didn't he? Marco did. Yeah. Um, Marco did. Ryan did. Ryan Chapman did, uh, and there's a third and potentially a fourth, um, although the fourth being a two-seat, um, changing hands to somebody, maybe. Um, so anyway, uh, seeing kind of some of these enter back into to competition, because what we haven't seen in, in a while, really, in the U.S. is any Sukhois doing any high-level, um, when I say high-level, advanced or unlimited uh, competition. Yeah, so, I would imagine I would imagine that um you know getting into something like that, like a yak or a sukhoi, would you would have to like really revisit some of the fundamentals. Um, especially if you've been flying like a much smaller aerobatic aircraft, like you really have to spend time on some of those aerobatic fundamentals and to rewrap your brain around the aerodynamics because they're, yeah. they're different for something that big. Yep. So Yep. Agreed. <clears throat> Angela, I want to, um, I want to, uh, I can't remember. So I want to, I want to circle back, um, sure. and talk about, uh, your college. Did you guys try to start a collegiate aerobatic team at one point? Okay. So like that <laughs> is, <laughs> um, all right. 
So this is like actually kind of a sore su- subject with me. Okay, um, sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, it's, sore the show good, notes, it's sore in a good way <laughs> because like I have continuously been putting a ridiculous amount of effort into it for the past year. And like, I understand the why for like why we can't quite do it at the university, but it, it doesn't, I'm not someone where like, if you tell me no, like, that's just going to be like, okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure a way to make it work, especially when like, there's a demand for it. So like, but there's a demand for it with the students and we have to figure out how to do it. So yes, we have been trying to start an aerobatic team. Um, we would have beaten the air force this year with our scores. Um, so we would have popped in the third, you know, obviously with like UND and, MSU sitting up top like they normally do because they have really strong aerobatic competitors. I mean, they've got Dagmar Kress and, um, you know, Michael Lentz is their coach coaches up there. So you would expect nothing less from them. Um, but we were lacking one competitor, um, for our scores to count. Um, and we almost had it. The only thing that we ran into was... Is there like an online course I can sign up for? <laughs> yeah, so the problem, so the thing <laughs> with the university rules is that you have to be a full-time student. And that is where our third pilot didn't count. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. Um, so if we had that, if the, uni- like if the IAC collegiate rules were changed, like we would have been like a drop in the bucket. Um, for that. And if I hadn't uh, royally messed up my third flight at Sebring um, this past fall in November, was it November? What month are we in? We're in February. Yeah. Whatever, whatever time Sebring happened, um, our scores would have been even better. I, so I don't really know where we would have sat because I didn't look too much at um UND's and MSU's scores, but um, we've been scoring consistently well, like in the 80s. Um, so what's the status? Like, what's the plan? To get- well, we're just trying to recruit more pilots. So I, I mentioned to you that like Marty has been like um, ridiculously supportive. Um, he's our coach and we fly his pits, um, but he's really the reason why this is all possible and why we've been able to gain the interest. So I talked to, I talked to you guys a little bit um, about some of the pilots a little while ago that we took down to Sebring with us um, to volunteer. And the only reason why they were able to come was because Marty paid for all of our hotel rooms. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So like when I say like there are people out like that are going above and beyond to get new people into the sport it's that's it that's the definition of it right there like that marty knew that they all they wanted to do was come down volunteer for the weekend and maybe get a discovery flight and not only like you know not only did he pay for our hotel rooms i mean he took up every single kid that wanted to go up Every single one. Jeez. Yeah. He's, he's a true a ambassador for the sport. <laughs> he's a beast. And that was after he did that after um 
flying safety pilot for four of our people. I mean, he flew with PJ Toms. He's a IAC chapter three president right now and MGA alum. Um, Trey Gaboy, he's MGA alum. He's going to be coming back to us um, this semester, I think. So he'll be a competitor. Um, he flew Nathan Wagner. That's our primary competitor. And then he flew me. Um, so he had four. And he flew himself. I, I don't know if he flew at Sebring or not. I can't remember. Or if he just judged. I can't, I can't remember. Um, I want to say that he flew the pits down with PJ and um, the MX stayed at home this time. Yeah. I think Sebring was literally just for us. He came down. Just Do you guys have a coach? Huh? Do you guys he have a coach? coach? Marty's the coach. Marty is? Yeah. I wouldn't want oh, okay. anyone else either. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going to um, say, like, because, like, definitely nominate Marty. Yeah, no, he's our coach. Like, we have dubbed him coach. He didn't ask for the role. We just kind of, like, appointed him our coach. And that is end-all, be-all. I mean, his airport is about two hours of a drive from our airport. We're out of Eastman, um, Heart of Georgia Regional. For at the university, that's where we fly awesome. out of. So, um, you know, it's really only about a 45 minute to an hour flight for him. So every once in a while, he'll come to Eastman and do flights for us. And we're working on getting our own aerobatic box. The FAA, um, you know, has done their part by losing the paperwork twice. And, you know, they have a good <laughs> time. And so we're working on it. Um, so hopefully. Sounds about right. Yeah, no, most definitely. Like, it's definitely on schedule as far as the FAA is concerned. And like, I mean that in the politest way possible because like eventually I do want to be a DPE. So like if the FAA has entered the chat, I'm just, I know you guys are like <laughs> seriously overworked. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but seriously, get my shit done. Yeah. But also it's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's, he's great. Um, he's done more for our collegiate quote unquote team than anybody has. I mean, Sean Brodigan, um, do you guys know who that is? Uh-huh. Yeah. Love Sean. Yeah. He put in a, a really good effort um for us too. He offered up his uh decathlon at a couple of practice days and then we tr had tried to go to Sebring one semester, but we got rained out the entire time we were there. So it was just a bunch of college kids sitting around in an aerobatic contest that knew nobody and um, yeah. wound up riding our scooters around all over the place. Um, and, you know, trying to not be menaces. Um, so, but it, it turned out to be fine. So what's the plan um, with middle state, Georgia? Are you guys, is nationals a possibility this year? Or are you guys trying to do like a three-year plan or a two-year plan or something like that? Like what's, what's on the docket right now? So we were going to try and go to nationals, but the thing is, the university won't let us use our decathlon because of insurance, um, <coughs> which is a big even, bummer. Even with like, UND, like compare, you, I'm assuming that you showed them that UND is. Listen, right. we've made so many comparisons. We offered to pay for our own insurance plan. Oh my god! Yeah, like you know, we've we've tried. Well, what if what if there was a anybody listening right now that has a decathlon or super decathlon that'd be willing to dry lease it out to the, the, uh, middle state Georgia team. Would you guys like. So that would that? be something that we would have to discuss like with our whole entire membership. 
Um, we, this is our first year where we were like making everybody pay dues for each semester. And the dues are like teeny tiny. It's like $35 yeah. for non-competing members and then $50 for members who are competing. Um, so it's, I don't know if we have anything to support that as of yet. Like the thing that we're working on right now is we're trying to find different research grants that we can do that will help pay for us to get to these contests so that we can do research projects while we're at these contests to be productive, you know, members of academic, academic society, um, but also, you know, still go compete. So um, I came up with this plan that I was like, man, if I could get us like a federal grant, that's like a couple, a thousand of dollars, you know, we could measure the effects of fatigue on aerobatic contest pilots. I was like, we have the perfect parameters. We have a bunch of pilots yeah. at the school who don't compete. We have three aerobatic contests that we're going to try and go to different, different age groups, different age groups and different, um, you know, variables with weather, um, you know, temperature, density, altitude, et cetera, et cetera, different planes, different categories that they're flying. I was like, it's perfect parameters. We just have everybody fill out a Google form every single day that they're competing. And then it loads it up into graphs. We compare everything and then we, we spit it out. Um, the perfect, yeah, that's not a bad idea. No, it's not a bad idea. And it's a great way no. to be productive. It's a good way to actually take a look at um, fatigue within contest flying. Um, I think it'd be interesting. Uh, so that's kind of our big focus right now is getting some money for this little project that we can do that can help pay to get us to these contests, which would also help get us more team members because, um, you know, a lot of the, we're a state school, you know, we're not, we're not like a privately funded school, like Embry Riddle, you know, where a lot of these parents are paying for their students to fly and like whatever other type of flying they're wanting to do, or like, you know, buying them their own plane. A yeah. lot of these students are coming from households that rely on FAFSA, you know, the Pell Grants and like financial aid. So like this extracurricular activity, they can't really afford it right now, but they'll maybe and plus it's like it later. Plus a lot of the universities, I mean, I understand the liability aspect of it, um, but, you know, it's tough because like you want to do like, you know, what I'm thinking right now which could be great for you guys is to do like an online store where like you could sell like um, MSG is what's the, uh, we have one. Georgia? so we, we have one. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, we cool. do. So definitely it's press too, that, but like your chameleon um, we've had one for a while. We sell our polos and our hats and our keychains and stuff. Um, so that's a great way to, to, to raise funds and everything. Yeah, no, we've, we've come up with quite a few ways. Like we've um, we've made stickers and uh we've you know made trucker hats and hosted cornhole tournaments and um you know we're we've got some air shows planned for the future that we we want to do and kick off once we get our aerobatic box um we want to host like a flapjack fly in as a fundraiser like there's definitely ideas that are awesome. spinning and turning it's just I'm not really sure what the longevity of the club looks like right now because I'm going to be graduating soon. Um, you know, I'll only be able to help out in limited ways 
from there, from an administrative stand, uh, point of view. So it's really going to kind of depend on this next semester, these next three aerobatic contests. You know, we have Keystone, Sebring, and Rome yeah. lined up. Well, it seems like you, you got momentum and it's just like, yeah. I think you see that like you're entering your career and your time is going to be limited. It. Yeah. You just got to find that one person that's going to keep doing it. Like, it seems like you're kind of not a one man show, but it seems like you're doing 90% of the, uh, of the uh, pushing here. Well, we have, you know, a, so. I'm not gonna, I won't claim all of it. Like I do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff um, because I have a better in with um, the IAC than most of them do. Like I have a little bit more experience working with the IAC than the others do. Um, but we have a really good group of people that are, you know, if they're not passionate about it, they're at least supportive of it. Um, so I think those are the people that are going to be able to carry it forward. Um, they are, we are going to the judges school that chapter three is hosting this weekend. Actually it was today. So like on Saturday, uh, we're going to that, going to have a few members go to that and, you know, maybe try their hand at judging at some of the contests, because that is always a huge need. And if not like, you know, judging like primary sportsmen, not anything like extreme um so it's no totally no it sounds like you got it sounds like you guys are really growing in that university and it's definitely hard to do i mean chapters have a hard enough time doing it with the support of iac so um i think it's awesome what you guys are doing and plus iac3 we were talking about you guys a couple weeks ago and um you know with just the stuff that lee does alone with the the media is mm-hmm. huge just it's huge he's a force of nature with social he really is. um <laughs> he's a force of nature and i so um somehow they managed to like coerce me onto their board um so like oh, cool. i attended my first ever chapter three meeting in january and i wound up with a board position which i wasn't i'll be honest like i didn't want um but I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm just one of those people. Like I'm happy to be here type of thing. Um, yeah. But it's been really interesting seeing the inner workings of the chapter now yeah. that like, you know, I'm looped in on all of those emails um, and getting to work with Lee specifically um, now that he's, he's VP, I think I'm pretty sure um, getting to see how he works with social media and like, how his brain processes different ideas has been so eye-opening for retention um, of members with the university club. Yeah. Um, so it's going to make it look fun. Yeah. You have to make it look fun. So. Um, so is anything IAC three doing this year different? Like what do you guys, any um, fun things you got planned or like is the contest the actual contest going to be run a little differently. Anything from that board meeting? Um, I don't think so. There's not really any big changes. Like I think the biggest change that we're going to do is um, rather than using like the, the connect thing, we're going to like set up a website. Um, One big kind of, (coughs) excuse me, hot topic was um, 
getting new people involved. Um, like I said, IAC three, like yeah. super passionate about that and like driven. So one of the things that we want to do is before national aerobatics day, we want to get the website up and running, um, with some information on like how to get started. So like if there's anyone who teaches upset recovery or basic aerobatics in this region, like we're trying to get a hold of their contact information so that we can put them on our website because that's the yeah. biggest thing. We have people say, come to us and be like, Hey, you know, this looks so cool. How do I get started? And we're like, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> and nobody, it's has- tough. Yeah, nobody has a good answer for it. So we're trying to put something. And a lot of the the aerobatic stuff that those like discovery flights, a lot of it, people do part time. You know, it's Mm -hmm. more of a passion project. So like their time is so limited. Mm -hmm. And then the other person who wants to do it, it's it's just it's hard to line up the stars. Yeah, exactly. So true. Um, It's also really difficult for the people who like don't have a desire to purchase an aerobatic aircraft. Um, And, you know, I kind of have respect for those people. Um, like I, and I know this is going to sound like really, really odd, but there are people that are just like flagrantly aware of their limits. Um, and they just won't put them in themselves in a position such as like buying an aerobatic aircraft, something that's a little bit too much for them to handle. And then, you know, just going up with a safety pilot and getting their feet wet or testing out the waters. Like Mm. they just, they don't jump full into it. They don't like just get an aircraft that's too much for them or anything like that. Um, They just refuse to buy one because they can't do it often enough or they don't feel comfortable enough to do it by themselves. So like I respect those people, but they should still have an opportunity to participate. Um, I know like, you know, there are a lot of opinions about that. Like I've discovered, um, there are a lot of opinions about that. Uh, you know, for me having a safety pilot, like I get comments all the time, like, Oh man, Marty, he flew a really nice, um, hammerhead for you or stuff like that. And I was like, all right, that's, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. You know, the last 50 flights trying to like not flop over onto my back, but it's fine. Um, yeah. Um, spoiled egg. Yeah. Just a little bit, but, and like, I know they're all be, like, if you have a safety pilot, there are always going to be like, little comments about that. But at the same time, you have to give those people a little bit of respect for not putting themselves in a situation that could be dangerous because then if they, those are the same people that go and buy an airplane that's too much for them that show up at an aerobatic competition and then everyone starts yelling low calls at them or unsafe or they can't recover from a spin on the first rotation and a half it takes them two and a half rotations and then they have to go into a safety briefing those are those yeah. same people that get pressured into buying an airplane that's too much for them so it's not, yeah. like you have to have a happy medium and for me oh, totally. having respect for them that they're not buying an aircraft that's too much but at the same time, we have to make it accessible to those people um, that want to participate. So yeah, I think what it is too is like you know people like you, Mark and I, and and a handful you know a bunch of others like every you have a true passion for it. So like no matter what, you're going to be involved in it. And you're going to push yourself. Like you don't need you know some other um, push. 
But that's why I, I'm really excited for chapter three, because I think there's a lot of pilots and people that want that might have a, an earning to do it um, to, that need that camaraderie thing. So like IEC three putting together a great website and having all the media and and doing the uh, the fly ins and practice days like creates that camaraderie in that group that, you know, people just want to be a part of. Like they don't really care how they really do a contest. I mean, they try, obviously, but um they're kind of there to 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 be around other people that share that that love of flying um that's what i think distinguishes a a good chapter or a larger um member base in their chapter so like chapter three chapter 23 has got great camaraderie i i suspect i think that's more important than a lot of other aspects in a chapter personally and i think that's where the main base is and most people like especially in the northeast like when when i was up at uh that contest in in vermont you know, there's so many characters up there and everybody's super supportive. I mean, you have your, you have a half a dozen diehard competitors that, that go there, you know, and they practice a lot and they, and I totally get it. Uh, but most of them are, you know, they're uh, business people, business women and whatever. They're there to have a good time. They want to try hard, but they're there to, to be around their friends and stuff. And like, I totally get it. And, and that's why it's a club. It's not like a professional sports team, you know? So right. I think we forget that. You know, because really all you hear from are, are people that are diehards, you know, this shit should be vocal, fun, you know, so but our main base, I feel like are, are people that are just passionate and, and want to have a good time and meet other people and, you know, whatever. So yeah, like, I, think I, you'd, I think you'd be hard pressed to find um, a different chapter that has the same amount of camaraderie as IAC3. Um, yeah, because I would agree they, with that. Yeah, they put. They put a lot of effort into making every single one of their members feel seen and appreciated. And like, that's not just their pilots, like that's their volunteers as well, because we have yeah. tons of members in IAC3. I shouldn't say tons. We have a good majority of members that just come to volunteer. Like they pay their dues. They come to the meetings and they just are there to volunteer and they're fantastic. And they usually... <laughs> bring the best time with them, you know, cause they're not worried about flying at any of these things. Like they're just here for a good time. Those are the ones who are just here for a good time. Um, and they're fantastic. So I think you'd be really hard pressed to find a chapter that has better camaraderie than chapter three, but in all honesty, I think the camaraderie is what makes our chapters so successful because we're definitely like if you want to talk about like diehards, like we're definitely not a chapter to be trifled with. You know, we have someone like we have Marty who's on the advanced team. Kyle, I, th- I think Kyle Collins is chapter three as well. Um, he's on the advanced team. Um, then for goodness sakes, I mean, we have Lee, um, you know, our Australian. Yeah. And Lee built a 300S in like an hour. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, he's already the, flying a limited plus right now. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> went on to win nationals, but not win nationals. Like, yep. That's, yep. and then also got the Leo award. Um, there's another member who was also awarded something. Um, and then, like, I got the regional championship for sportsmen. So, like, we're not at, like, as if you want to talk about diehards, like not only do we have a level of camaraderie that's unmatched, we also have some pretty decent pilots. Um, yeah, but through that camaraderie, it builds the skills 
and, and you know that it well, almost yeah, happens we, naturally we like each other and we respect yes. each other and it makes critiquing possible yes and not just like not only does it make the critiquing possible it, it's like very constructive um, because you have to have a certain level of respect and like for a person to be able to critique them fairly. Um, uh-huh. Because I've had some of the worst critiques in the world from people who didn't like me yeah. and it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Like they're, you know, the people that don't like you, they can't really critique you all that well because they're not actually looking at your baseline of flying <laughs> for you, like for what level you're at. They just like, they see you. They're not a fan. Well, and, and just, not everybody has to like everybody, but th- that right there is like the 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 personalities. You know, I, you know, we're all egotistical maniacs and aerobatics. Like that that that's you know a given. But at the same time, why aren't people getting along? You know, and it's like why? Oh, I don't know. Why, I don't why are there care. chapters that? No, I, I just mean I'm I'm that was more just like a, a kind of like a rhetorical philosophical question because you see this like. In the California chapter, especially in Southern California, where you have these, again, there's cliques, there's factions. And um, I know a couple chapters where like half half the chapter group will go critique with another chapter. And it's like, what is the point of the chapter then? Like at the end of the day is is are these chapters just a means to host a contest that you can then go fly? Because if you're not getting your support through a chapter, your own chapter, you got to go somewhere else to get your support what is the justification of that chapter for a lot of people? It would be my argument, right? Yeah. I think a lot of them are just like, (laughs) I was, I don't remember who I was talking with about talking about this specifically the other day, but um, we were basically saying like, having an established chapter is just so that you can have easy access to banks, like bank accounts and insurance forms through the EAA. Um, and yeah. like, that's, that's what it's there for. Um, but you're right. Like a lot of these chapters just only like their sole reason for existence is to be able to host contests. And like, I'll say this, like, you don't have to be a chapter to host a contest. No, you don't. If you just want to host a contest, get rid of all of your like ill feelings of like political unease and just go host a contest like you know absolve your chapter and just host the the contest stop putting all the drama and and the politics into it because it's not necessary you just want to keep the contest just host the freaking contest just put it on the counter on the IAC um but I don't know I think some chapters need to combine I think some chapters need to go away um I think some chapters aren't even in existence yet. Like they need to be brought into existence. Yeah. There's chapters that there's chapters that aren't (laughs) chapters yet. Yeah. There's chapters that aren't chapters yet and it'll all come with time. But the thing is, is that it's not going to start happening until they have good examples of chapters that have camaraderie like IAC three, because that's where you really find good aerobatics is where you get good support from your chapter. Like it, it's not just like, it's not just critique. It's like someone helping you figure out a maintenance problem, you know, like 
something's wrong with like your fuel tank, or there's a weird fuel line, or one aileron's pulling more than it should. Um, your props not quite right, like the RPM and the manifold just aren't quite lining up where you need it to be when you're full prop, full prop, full throttle. Like that's where the support comes from, is when you can reach into that pool of people and be like, hey, I've got an issue with my airplane. Like, it's just not safe. And then you have like 10, 15 people being like, oh yeah, like um, I know some so-and-so from Montana that had that exact same thing. That's just a yeah. weird thing that your type of airplane does here. I have three different people that you can call, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, <clears throat> you know, you just can't figure out how to ride a good free. And then you're like, oh, you know, like, I suck at riding freeze. And they're like, Oh, well here I have five. Look at all of them. Um, and they send them all to you. And that's where like good aerobatics come from. It comes from good airmanship. Like, I, I don't know how, like with horses, you call it horsemanship, like how to take care of like your horses and stuff. Um, so like how to take care of your airplane, how to study aerobatics and then how to fly aerobatics. Like that's good to me. That's good airmanship. It's a language. Um, yeah, it's a language. Learning how to understand it, learning how to read it, and learning how to talk. Yeah. And that's what you get from good camaraderie. Yeah. In good chapter have- two, also, to, not to get super cheesy, but you know what? That support might also mean a hug or somebody to talk to. And if you feel if you don't feel like you have are a part of that uh, community within a chapter, you can't even ask questions. You might no, feel you stupid can't. asking questions. And that's where safety issues start to happen. That's when you start getting low level pilots involved that see the clickiness and they feel like they can't go ask a question and they keep doing the same unsafe thing over and over again until one flight, you know, it's just, just breached the limit. Um, and suddenly they're not an aerobatic pilot anymore, you know? Um, so Good aerobatics comes from good camaraderie and you're going to have a hard time changing my mind on that. And I don't care what chapter you you're in. If you can't figure out how to be nice and supportive of people in this club, regardless if you're competing against them or not, then you're not really contributing to the sport. Oh, there, there are a ton of succubuses that, that, that do not contribute to the network around them for sure. Here's the thing. It's an unfortunate thing. Yeah, no, here's the thing. Like as someone who's brand new to it, like I've done plenty of other sports. You know, I was a figure skater for 15 years. Like I I understand what it's like to be involved in a sport for a long time. Um, and you know, I did I rode horses for a long time too. And um Yeah, you're no I, you're no stranger to competition. Yeah, I'm no stranger to competition. Um, but the more you expect to be done for you in a competition setting, the less, the less, the least successful that competition is going to be. Um, and the, the less you contribute to the sport that you are so passionate about competing in the less amount of time that that sport will survive. So like you have to contribute to it, like in some way, shape or form, if you want the sport to continue, because like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a young woman <laughs> in this sport that is dominated by white men. Like I am a minority. And then you start ta- thinking about people 
who are even more of a minority than I am, like pilots like Jared Hodge or um, yeah. Mel, um, you know, strong black pilots that want to get involved. And, you know, you have these men that have been competing in aerobatics for the last 50 years who have grown up in a, in a time where like race was a problem, like that is even more of an issue. And I'm glad that we have a chapter to where we have a really, really diverse chapter because representation matters. Um, And if you want something to continue and to thrive, the more diverse it is, the more successful it'll be in my opinion. And the more interesting it is. And the more interesting, (laughs) absolutely. Um, But you have to have that representation. And if you don't have that representation and you're not welcoming it, like your chapter is just going to die like a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I think too, like um, as far as these chapters and you were talking about earlier, like some chapters shouldn't, shouldn't even be around anymore. And and that's really, you know, as it relates to. Yeah. I said what I said on that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I I don't disagree. I I don't (laughs) disagree. No, I agree. And I think that the, the root cause of it is that um, what you guys are doing differently is you're not, nobody's setting up their chapter for five or 10 years. So they're not bringing on that apprentice to show him the rope set so that when they leave, you know, he's, he or she is going to take over, you know, everybody just runs it, runs it. Yeah. So they run it and they're control freak. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what, like screw this stuff, you know, something happens, like what happened um, a couple of years back and they're like, I'm out. And now all of the, all of a sudden the chapters left hanging dry and going to go nowhere. There's no, there's no uh, foresight, you know, with it. I um, I was really surprised to see like some of the chapters that I've experienced. Um, how long those board members have been sitting like uh, on the board. And like, I feel like I haven't like looked too extensively into like the IAC, like constitution or bylaws or whatever you want to call it. But I definitely feel like there's a bylaw against that specific thing. Um, And I'll just say like, for me as like someone who has been like a chapter president of like multiple different things like those bylaws are put in place so that the club doesn't become stagnant yes um because if you just keep reproducing the same old thing it prohibits growth so like as much as like these people like don't want to relinquish control over to others like you have to well, yeah. and what's even and I, more sad I, is is it doesn't prevent that old guard from doing exactly that. I, I won't mention the chapter, but um, somebody that has been a chapter president several times uh, over the course of decades and uh, has stepped back from that role, but then will be vice president or secretary. And then you ask who's making the policy decisions, and it's like, oh, it's that same person just putting in puppet presidents and vice presidents to do their um their bidding and i don't think that's super uncommon unfortunately no Um, it's definitely not uncommon um it's definitely not uncommon it's really annoying in my opinion well that's Um, why like you have to vote like people it is annoying it's very frustrating because like we had um a director vote or whatever and you know whether we have 3500 or 5000 members i forget like hardly anybody voted you know, and, and that's the problem is that not a problem necessarily, but like 
you have to get the right people in there that are willing to do the job because the same people that have been voting for 20 years are going to continue to vote. So if you don't get fresh votes in there and a majority, nothing's going to change or you can't expect it to change. Here's the other thing. You you also can't expect anything to change. Um, And like, I mean this in the, like in the politest way possible, like Lori, Lori Penner um, is the epitome of a saint. Um, have you who you is amazing heard? by the way yeah she is the epitome of a saint um does the iic um magazine and she is the reason why i am able to stay up to date on iac news it is not because of the iac board they have my email like the whole like the international organization has my email i don't get sent very many updates about business Unless like there's something that I need to vote on or like I need to like they're they're just not like really keeping people like up to date on that type of stuff. So like why why would they expect people to vote? But like also at the same time, are they limiting the information that they're putting out to us because like they don't really want the membership to vote? Right. I was talking about that with someone um a while ago. Like it's uh I was talking to Sean actually about it is that like, it seems like a lot of the information isn't um, put out there. Yeah. Accessible because like, it's like the, the inner workings of that board is so tight knit that they don't actually want like the membership to like have a say. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's old, there's, there's people that have been in this IAC for like 40 years and, and like it the way it's been. And don't want to change and then there's people that want it to change and that's where you get those those two different teams you know yeah um yeah, and there's like, definitely two you know, there's two overarching camps of of like old guard and new 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 guard i uh, without you know that's just that's oversimplifying well, we saw it at nationals and we uh, absolutely saw it at nationals yeah you know and then and then in 22 we saw it when you know a certain amount of people didn't show up yeah right yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why this year will be a really interesting uh, litmus test. I just will, it, it's just going to be really fascinating to watch. No, totally. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, if you're going to have a membership, which we do, we have like a few thousand members um, across the globe. Like it's not just the United States. And I think a lot of people forget that. Um, yep. It's an international club. Uh we have a few thousand members across the entire world and this information needs to be accessible to everybody and needs to be put out, you know, frequently. Um, and it needs to be put out in more than just a magazine and Instagram post. I wish um, it was an app. Yeah, it should be. I an really app. wish it was an app. Well, I think that people, the, a different demographic has to be in addition to the, to the, board and, and within the IAC. So like people like you, you know, maybe even a university kid, because like the existing powers that be, you know, not to say anything against old people, we're all getting old, right? But they don't know what what that 20 to 25 or under 30 demo wants. They don't know. You know, and nor are, and nor should they think for them either. You know, um so you need they, they that. couldn't possibly you need no, even if it's just like a, a bullshit position just to bounce ideas off or hear what they have to say because it's important. It's yeah, it's truly like I would love well, to it's hear. It's not like they're inviting anyone to participate on panels. Well, that's the problem. 
yeah, yeah. Like if they invited people to participate on panels, they would have like that's a really easy way to to solve that problem. Um, like, did anyone? Like, I know, I know that there was some discussion, like about the sportsman card. Like, that is a sportsman card that is for extras, not for super decathlons, not for like two hundred horsepower pits. You're you know? damn right. Let's keep it that way. Um, well, I'm sorry, but I, I'll still come for you um, with that card. Oh, you'll um, whip my ass, and I'm but, okay with it. Well, we'll see. Um, but. <laughs> I've like I've resented that card since it came out and I haven't even practiced it yet. And I've got my first contest coming up in March. Um, you are not like, the only one to feel that way, by the way. Yeah, I've resented it. And I just feel like it, but like who talked about that? You know, like who <laughs> who got to talk about it? Because like the people that are gonna be flying it are people that are in like decathlons, like Pitts S2As, um, <laughs> you know, what are those weird little extra looking airplanes that are like wannabe extras, but they're not? What are they? Ooh, I can't wait to hear the answer to this one because people are about to get hurt. <clears throat> what are those things called? Lasers? Nope. One designs? No, they're like, huh? No, not, definitely not Game Bird. Shut up. Um, <laughs> those are definitely wannabe extras. No, it's not. No, it's it's something like so. You heard it. You heard it here first, guys. Yeah, RVs. It's the RVs. <laughs> oh, okay, it's okay, okay. The wannabe extras. The I call those wannabe extras. They're like little underpowered, like <laughs> wannabe extras. Like those are the type of pilots that are going to be flying that card, and that card is meant for something with like at least two hundred and thirty, two hundred and fifty horsepower. Um, who decided that? Again. I'm gonna go pull it up again. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't looked at that card in a while. Send me a screen. (laughs) But Jeff, you got really quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, you are. Yeah, because I mean, you're gonna get like Corey applies SC and Jeff. (laughs) Jeffrey, whisper. You can hear me, Jeffrey. You got really quiet. Can you hear me? There we go. Oh, sorry about that. Um. Yeah, with that's why you got to vote. I mean. Because they and I submitted, I submitted some sequence proposals too. Obviously, they didn't get voted on. Um, but you know, you people got a voice because all you're going to hear back from the IC is, well, you got to tell us, you got to speak up, you got to vote. You know, put yeah, but we do there, tell, yeah. we do tell, yeah. or we send proxies or whatever they're called. Like we do say, yeah. Um, and it's like I'm not against what you're thinking about the sequence once I see it, but like, yeah, it's, it's very. That's been a common common battle with with these sequences, especially intermediate. Like within like the okay, so like after figure four, it's you know a half loop up with a with a roll. That's a tough one for an underpowered airplane. Figure four to five. Yeah, figure four to five to a comp turn to a forty five up. Yeah, like that forty five up is going to be real short going into that one and a quarter spin, like I'm going to pull to a 45 and I'm already going to be in a spin. You're going to drag that all the way across the box too. You're going to have to like from where everything is ending because like figure nine is out on the Y and it's that, um, Humpty. Yeah. Yeah. Pull, pull. 
pull Humpty and you want that to be right in front of the judges, but you're not going to be right, right in front of the judges. You're going to be on one side of the box and they're going to be looking at your Humpty like you're flying sideways or dropping a wing. Like it's not going to score yeah. well. In a uh, Super D, this is this is a um it's I, almost I mean, it's like not a, it's not impossible, but it, it it's you're working. You're going to work in a Super D. So here's yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're going to you're going to be um quote unquote flying to limits. But like, you know, you you can get somebody like, you know, you know, Aaron can go up in a Satibre and go fly this and make it look good, but and I think that's the problem. I think that we have to find with these proposals. I think we have to find media not mediocre, but just your average sportsman pilot in this airplane and have him or she fly it and see how it looks there. Because obviously yeah. a very experienced yeah, like, person can fly this well, like me. Who's, they're not going to be flying like, it. Like I'm you know. average at best. Like I would be a, a great person to try out these proposed sportsman cards. Yeah. Like I, I am adequately average and on most days, yeah slightly below average in my opinion um like i score well when i need to but and it should be fun like advanced and unlimited is where you're putting the work and time in and sportsman and intermediate you know obviously you can take it as serious as you want but it should be a fun category you shouldn't be you know dive into vne or some stupid speed just to make the sequence look good i mean you could fly this at at va no doubt but it look it's going to look sloppy and and it's not going to present well there's no doubt you but know that like, that that um exit to of figure three, you know, on that inverted 45 and the two of four. Mm-hmm. You you to do that well, I would imagine you're you're probably capping that off to start figure four pretty fast. I mean, you're I mean, I'd almost want to start that close to V like V and E. Um, yeah, I mean figure four at V and E. Yeah. All yeah, close to it. But close you know, it. um so that's a tough that's here's, a that's here's a tough the thing way to navigate. With, yeah, but here's the thing with like some of these decathlons, they have like these like half loops. Like you can't do like the entry speed for like a half loop or like a loop is like 30 knots below V and E. Right. And like they're just not thinking about that because you go into figure three, which is the wedge with a two of four on the down. Like you're gonna be close to, you're gonna be close to V and E if you're running full full prop full throttle. Like it's like without a doubt, especially yeah. if you're line long enough, like you're supposed to. Well, and you, and um, you're yeah, gonna want to go on long line because you don't want to. Depends on I mean, your your line lengths. Yeah, well, and figure four is gonna be a gain, so like you don't want to start high <laughs> or be high. Right. You yeah. want to draw it down. No, it's doable, but it's it's not. It's not. I think the ability to have it present well. Is is very difficult in a in a say a Balanca or even I think a Super D. It's 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 okay. You could I've I got a, a ton of time. Straight Super decathlon, yeah. Straight decathlon yeah, think, would be hard. Yeah, to make yeah, it present well. Decathlon with like the <laughs> the spades. I think that would be a tough one. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, um, I agree. It's kind of handicapped to the to the lower power airplanes, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, but like here's the thing: like you know, we're not all RJ Gritter. You know, well, that's like, what we're, they, yeah, that's what like we're saying. People that yeah. like, and you shouldn't want to beat up your airplane like that, you know, like, no, but uh, no, not that like RJ Gritter beats up his airplane. He doesn't, but like, um, yes, he does. <laughs> he's I'm rebuilding totally it. Though. No, I'm still trying to get him to come to the university. So I'm only going to say he flies that thing like it owes him money. 
It does owe him money. It owes him air show performance money. <laughs> right? Seriously. Um, RJ Gritter doesn't beat up his air. Give me a break. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and Rob Holland is just very gentle on his plane. Totally. No, <laughs> Rob's flying 24 squared. Um, 100%. Dude, he, Rob Holland slaps the air like a fish coming out of the water. Like, yeah, he smacks that. He is point. not. He is not nice to it. That's for sure. But, uh, uh, but honestly, you know, a, a lot of these, uh, you know, you look at it. So like looking at, uh, you know, when we were at nationals watching, watching advanced and unlimited for that matter, not to say, you know, there's a difference between like pushing your beating up on your airplane, but, but pushing your airplane. Right. And yeah. certainly in those categories, everybody's pushing it. Nobody is not pushing those airplanes. 100%. I don't care what airplane it is in those categories. You know, you start walking that back from intermediate. And a lot of times in intermediate, you kind of see uh, airplanes that aren't really pushed to their, to their, you know, they're, they're not on the upper edge of the envelope. You know, you've got a lot of monoplanes in there, SCs, 300s, 300Ls. They're, they're not working hard in uh, intermediate. And yeah. I would say even well, an think... S2C and an S2B is not working that hard. But then yeah. you go back to I... sportsmen. You, you see some, you see some hard work, you know, 150 horsepower uh, decathlons, some Satabrias in there. You know, even a super decathlon is it's, uh, you know, you're, you're working it. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Especially on a hot day. Um, on a hot day. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that like, cause I hear this all the time, like, oh yeah, like you can definitely do this card in a decathlon or, oh yeah, you can definitely do it in a pits a, but like, let's just remember. That is it going to look good though? Mm-hmm. I don't even care about that. Let's just remember that the majority of the people that are flying like primary and sportsmen they have been doing it for less than a year like are they capable of taking that aircraft to its limits and being safe with it because sportsmen to me is about safety like it's sportsmen is safety (laughs) like um and typically primary you're going to be you might do one primary maybe two but it's like a hey here's competition here yeah, is the world that you just signed like, up for. No, but you're not staying there a very long time. Primary is an introduction. Yes. Like without a doubt. Primary is an introduction. Sportsman is where you learn how to be safe. Intermediate is when you're learning how to like sprinkle in the fancy things and then advance like you're starting to mean business. But sportsman is safety. And when you produce a card like this that, d- that does not scream safety to me, it doesn't it doesn't make me feel like the actual pilots that are going to be flying this card are being taken into consideration because like, yes, a decathlon can fly this. A Citabria could probably fly it. Um, you know, the little wannabe extra planes, uh, the RVs, <laughs> they can fly it, but can the pilot that's flying that plane, can they fly it and still be safe? So are you saying the type of figures are are should be changed or just the the sequence order. of it? The, the order of the figures? Sequence. Yeah. Um, because like I think I, the only way to fix it is you have to, by not mass majority is you have to have people that at the end of the year you have to group people that flew this <laughs> sequence in a competition and have them give their opinion on it. I think that's the only way to get to get the ear of the sequence design committee. Yeah, I, I agree because like you have advanced pilots that haven't flown sportsmen in probably 10 to 30 years totally. 
making sportsman sequences and that doesn't make any sense to me i totally agree to see um it'd be cool to see the uh one and a quarter spin after figure five onto the y and then move that 180 turn i think that would help a lot i think it would help a lot too um but then like you wouldn't have a place for like the what were you saying putting um putting figure eight (laughs) after figure five so taking off the 180 turn you can't do that it'd be downwind it'd be downwind but uh yeah and then yeah exit on the y but Uh, maybe maybe doing a one and a half instead of a one and a quarter and not doing a y figure i don't know i don't know i mean you could just get rid of the 45 and do the do the one and a quarter and then and then pick up the case someplace else but i think that i think there's a lot of i mean i'm we went through this sequence a little bit it's definitely like a little bit of a altitude for an for an underpowered airplane and it and you can make it work but you kind of have to have the right coaching and and the right mentorship you know to to walk through the sequence and and figure it out are going to be really important on it and we're also assuming that like angela's saying like this this one-year-old sportsman pilot we're assuming that this is going to be flown in a zero one condition and and most likely that's not going to happen so like the worst case scenario is you get this fresh sportsman pilot who's most likely reaching a little bit beyond what they can do considering that they're just the average practicing type of person not somebody diehard and then you throw like a 10 knot on judge win or slightly on judge win you know now they're they're going to get really discombobulated in the box and stuff so i don't know i i feel like it's a big enough jump for sports people from primary doing more figures um and i think that they should i think should, they should tone down the k a little bit make it a little more fun and then if you want to if you want to have some fun with sportsmen and if you've been in the category design yourself a freestyle and have at it mm-hmm. you know what i mean um and challenge yeah. yourself that way that's what but i did um it does look hard i mean not hard it's just challenging to fly but i don't know yeah, but that's i think it's a little thing. like it's unfair for, that's, for, this is where we start losing retention like this in comparison to the primary card is yeah. like night and day so yeah. you have no i agree with it and fly the the primary card um well that was my argument with intermediate when they introduced mm-hmm. the half snap and like a half flick so like could it be in the yeah and they voted for it in but a half flick is a is a hard hard figure to master i think mm-hmm. um because you don't want to just do it to do it like you want to get really good at it and to me it's hard enough moving into a category uh for somebody who's who has limited time to practice but wants to move up you're going to be dealing with unknowns so you have to practice a lot of other figures in in the catalog so you're throwing a lot at this person you know you're also you know this person might not have been flying a freestyle in sports but so now you got a freestyle sequence you got an unknown sequence you got a a little bit up on the uh, k for the known so you have a lot of things that a new pilot in intermediate is is dealing with and you know as far as you know what you're saying with retention like it's it could be a very frustrating time and you know we're not getting paid for this obviously so like you want to keep that person there. So I think not necessarily, you know, making the sequences easier. I think it's making, we got to make it more realistic to that intermediate sportsman, you know, population, yeah. you and know, I'm because if you, you want to go hard, you'll go, you're going to go through it and you're going to be in advance and unlimited. Like people are not, I'm not flying whatever <clears throat> category I'm in because I'm being pushed or because of the marketing program of the IC. Like I'm a, I love the sport and I'll always love it. And I have a, I have a real passion like you guys. So like, I don't need them to push me. You know what I mean? And like some people just don't. Yeah, you'll push yourself. Yeah. Like exactly. most people. I just, I are think it's not like um, that. I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to get across is that like 
you know, just like with our airplanes, you know, having like aerobotic envelopes, like these different, different categories of pilots, we also have our envelopes, like primary has an aerobatic envelope, sportsman has an aerobatic envelope, intermediate, advanced, unlimited. Like we all have these different sized envelopes. And I feel like um, this particular sportsman card is like very much at the edge of the average sportsman pilot's aerobatic envelope. So what would you say then to the person who's been in sportsman for five years and say a toned down sequence gets issued and they start crying? Like, what would you say? To the sportsman pilot that's been in that category for the last five years. It's bitching. If you want to fly a harder sequence, then you should probably move up. Yeah. Move the fuck up. Right. Yeah. Move up. Like make some room for the, the, for the newcomers. Um, like I've only, I've, I've done three contests and I'm already getting told to move up. But then I look at like the sportsman card for this year and like, I know I'll be able to fly it well because I don't, I'm not going to compete it unless I can fly it well. Um, so I know I'll put in the hours to be able to do that. Um, but there are others that won't. And then it'll prevent them from flying, like from competing. So, I mean. Yeah. And sports is where you're, you're to, gaining I, membership. Yeah. I, it, this, I don't know. Like I shouldn't have to move all the way down to be able to fly a card that's meant for pilots like me. You know, like I'm a new pilot. I'm meant to be flying in primary or sportsman, but I shouldn't have to bump down to sportsman for it to be like completely comfortable for like the type of aircraft that I'm flying because a half move up with a, you know, half roll into a roll with a 180 comp turn to a 45 to a one and a quarter spin. Like the energy management on that is going to have to be so precise and it's a good skill to learn. I'm not saying it shouldn't be in the sportsman card. It's also a bunched up, uh, you know, several technical um, (laughs) maneuvers. You know, so yeah, it's, it's very it's, technical. It's like <laughs> the rudder work on there is going to be ridiculous because I mean, you're you're battling torque and precession on the half loop, um, slipstream on the roll, and then you know the aerodynamic forces on a comp turn are overlooked a lot, um, especially with the energy management, and then you know you have precession that you're going against on figure seven, the 45. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of rudder work, um, a decent amount of delicate aileron work that you're going to have to be aware of. Um, and, you know, some very set elevator movement, you know, like very muscle memory. And I think that deserves a spot on the sportsman card. Like those are figures that we should be mastering while we're sportsman pilots. Well, but- the question is too, like, you know, the IAC in the 1980s say, you know, they had, uh, I think it was beginner called beginner back then or whatever, but beginner mm-hmm. and sportsman, right. And intermediate. And why did we stray away from making it more, the sportsman more difficult than when it was prior? Like, why exactly. are, why is, why are we do, like, well, and if there's a reason that I don't know, like, these- tell me, no. like, I'm, let's say I know the answer. I'm just, that's the question. 
Yeah, no, the answer is because you have a bunch of pilots that have been in sportsmen for the past five years that are turning it into a lower level of intermediate. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to be, it's all a means to service. It's all a means to service advanced and unlimited. That's what it feels like. And it's, it's a lot of the pilots that used to compete in unlimited and advanced that have either gone down to intermediate or sportsmen because they are no longer capable of competing at that level. And like, you know, I don't know if it's, and that's, I don't think it's at the sportsman. I don't think it's the the person. I I think the person's capable. Um, I I think they just don't want to, it's not fun at that point because they really, they're smart enough to realize that the amount of training and that they, they realistically can't, can't have enough time to do or afford to do with the price of gas and everything. It's just not realistic. So they're smart enough to be like, you know what, I'm just, this isn't for me anymore. Yeah. It could be economically or it it could be capabilities because like I've run into a few pilots that are like, I'm not capable of it anymore. Like I don't have the vision. Or they just don't want to, like, it's like they see the work and it's like, uh, this is not, this is going to turn into a job. I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah, there's a multitude of reasons, you know, for it. Um, and, you know, I'm sure I'll run into that when I'm, you know, of age uh, later on in life. But um, it's the people who are have either like stayed in the category for too long or have come down from more difficult categories that yeah. are just trying to make a lesser version of what they did fly or a harder version of what they have been flying. And it's a disservice to all of the new people who are just trying to figure it out. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's going to be the majority. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's a matter of uh, the end of, for this particular specific issue, like the end of the season, everybody's got to basically take 10 minutes of their time and, and, and write an opinionated letter of, of whether good or bad of how they felt to the sequence. And you know, if there's a abundance of negativity, kind of like how we're speaking now on it, then, you know, there's, there should be no reason why changes shouldn't be implemented, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, people that's even like with that, like when I went out for director, um, which I did not get voted, I still, still a little sour on it, but like nobody voted and like this, you know, and nothing changed. And I would have really loved to get involved and, and, and add some things to it, but like, I'm not there. And like, since then, like nothing's changed. It's just, you know, the cyclic and it sucks sometimes, you know? So, but people gotta, you know, speak up. That's, that's the issue is, as everybody's afraid to speak up and be apolitical. Yeah. Um, well, it's not exactly an environment that makes it easy to speak up and like, totally, opinion. totally agree. So like if we yeah. want change and we want people to like continue to want to be members and to want to compete, like the environment of which we allow them to talk has to be present because like, it doesn't even exist right now. Yeah. Like if we don't like how a certain card looks like a, a presented card, um, like they want us to send an email, like, okay, great like fantastic but i'm i'm in my 20s and i send emails every day for work and for school i don't want to send an email about one more freaking thing like give me a different way to voice this opinion please please give me a different way let me let me click on a link and like fill out a form or a questionnaire a questionnaire like that's like available that's a good idea actually yeah, <laughs> like please, idea. like I don't want to have to like sit down and like type out 
like all of my thoughts, like give me a questionnaire, like for like, like I am a younger demographic, like it is not going to like pop on my mind and be like, oh, wow, that sequence card is going to suck for this plane. And for like, I'm trying to move up one of my university competitors to sportsman this year. And now I don't think we should type of thing. Like, you know, like those are the thoughts that I have where I'm, I'm my sportsman pilot for my university and I'm trying to move up my primary pilot to be sportsman so that he can carry on sportsman because that's a requirement for universities. We have to have a sportsman pilot and the rest can compete in a primary category. And it's like, Oh shoot. Like he hasn't practiced this and I don't like, he's barely can do this. And maybe we shouldn't put him in a position to where he would do that, you know, and I'm not going to type that in an email because I've got a million other things going on in my life other than the IAC. I love. And and how do you know if you've really been heard? Exactly. Because like the last time I sent an email to the IAC, it took like I, if they responded to it four months later. Like the only thing too, is like, I'm just thinking right now. I'm just thinking now. So like I submitted a sequences for, I think intermediate advanced and limited, maybe even sportsman or something like that. And like, I thought they were pretty decent. Um, and I'm okay. I'm not upset that mine didn't get picked, but like, you know, nobody, there weren't, I know that there weren't a lot of submissions to begin with. And it's like, well, why wasn't like, what's, where's the reasoning of why mine wasn't picked? How do I like, why, why was it like, what's the point of me submitting now? If like, I don't know how to selection has taken place or like what problems that my sequence had with mine. And like, you know, cause I wouldn't have submitted it if I didn't think it was decent. You know, well, and I'm not okay. saying it was the best, but like, where's the feedback and like, where's yeah. the reasoning of me getting off my ass to do all this and not yeah. even like get like two cents? Why was it wrong? Or yeah. why was it not appropriate? Or why was it not efficient? Or why was it not? Why did it not meet the criteria or get the vote? Yeah. No interaction, from, I guess. From a brand new person per- perspective, it feels very much like um, there was a way for contact to be made with the big board but there's no way to actually know if like we're being heard by the big board like they have us vote on certain things but like like you said the membership doesn't actually vote and they don't really tell us um how many members are voting or you know if the topics are being heard or whatnot and like it just seems like the way how we're I mean you can read them you can read the minutes obviously from each board meeting if you want to. Yeah, and that's uh, great. But, but like who all is reading it? You know, because like I read it, but like But it's 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 what I'm saying is like <laughs> it's it's board member topics. It's not like all right, so like Angela Victoria, she's from Georgia. She's got like she's been talking about the sportsman thing. Like these are her A, B, and C of why she feels like you know, as far as retention and safety, blah blah blah. Like, let's discuss it. And like, let's have an open discussion about it. Like that doesn't happen. I think that's what you're trying to get at. Right. Yeah. And like, we never hear about it, even if it did yeah. happen, because I'm sure in some way, shape or form, an open discussion does happen. Um, and, you know, it's recorded lightly, but like the, the hard hitting points, like we don't hear about those. And like, we yeah. also don't hear about like the discussions and conversations that are happening you know, the passionate conversations that are happening when minutes aren't being recorded, because we all know 
that that's when the majority of the decisions get made, not when the minutes are being recorded, but like the interpersonal conversations that are happening between people. Well, why it's almost like, why shouldn't the, why shouldn't the fall or spring meeting be uh, live broadcasted then? We've been to trying on to and and because wasn't that their thing where you could dial in and you can hear in? Yeah. And then it yep. didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, I also think that there should be a way for. Because it's not um, like at the university. The board meetings are supposed to be made public. To our general membership. Like we're supposed to invite people to our board meetings and we're supposed to be able to give them access to our board meetings. And yeah. we do. Um, but I think you can attend the IC meeting as a member. How? By showing you, you up. Gotta fly, yeah, you got to fly out there. Nobody's going to fly out there. I get yeah, that. But I, no, think, see, I think but that, that is also very inaccessible of them. Like, yeah. create Zoom link. Like, let us tune in. Like, No, I agree. I'm just so saying it just in case. Create. In like, case a couple dozen other boards listening right now. And they're like, you could call, totally come. You're welcome to come to Oshkosh and, and fly out for two days and you know, in the middle of winter, like, but it's like, nobody's going to fucking do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I have like the IC is not my life. Like I am not a retired airline pilot that is like spending the rest of my money that I have my buckets of airline pilot money on aerobatic flying. Like, I'm just not, I'm not one of those people. I'm a college student. I work two jobs. I'm a single parent. You know, i I'm in two different types of flight training right now. Like I care about the IAC and it does like their decisions do affect me as a member, but I'm not going to take two days out of my day to go fly up to a board meeting, make it more accessible for people like me, because like I am one of those people. I will, I will carry the IAC like a freaking torch torch. If you let me like, I think it's a great club. I think it's a great mission. Um, 100%. Chapter three has given me some of the best people in my life that I could ever ask for some of the best mentors I've ever experienced. Like I, and because of that, I will carry the IAC like a torch on my back (laughs) for miles and miles and miles. But if you don't make it accessible to me, I can't do it. I can't offer you the kind of support that I'm willing to give. I can't. Um, And like, I, I think there are a lot more people within this membership that have so much more to offer, but have no idea how to offer their support. And that's disappointing because yeah, they, they just need a, a, not a lifeline. They just need a, a line of communication, mm-hmm. but I think it's yeah. common. I think Jim's Jim's, you know, I obviously had some, some personal issues going on and, and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I, I see light at the end of the tunnel, especially with the improvement of local chapters on the West Coast and, and down by you guys. And even the Northeast, you know, there's a lot more communication going on. So I think I think we're trending up. And I think that, you know, we're all frustrated a little bit and um, everybody's starting to communicate that. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you got to take it as constructive. So like we've never heard, you know, at least like in my opinion, you know, I've never really heard as many people be as vocal as they've been. And even though it's been sometimes not so great, like it needs to be said and then it will get better. So I think we're in that phase right now where it's been, you know, a year or two of, of, of some of that, that feedback, that's not so positive getting said. And like I said, that's not a bad thing. And we got to see, we got to kind of give the benefit of the doubt that things are going to change. I mean, they got that boundary thing in effect now where like, 
you don't have to have boundaries at contests. That was like a big thing that Mark and I were talking mm-hmm. about. So like they are listening. I think that people just have to, um, you know, put up or shut up, you know, say what you want to say or, or don't complain. You know what I mean? Because you have to, they can't, you can't expect them to change without knowing how the majority feels. So um, I, like you I said, I think have to, they have to create a way totally for the majority to be able to say what they need to say, because like right yeah. now it doesn't exist. Well, that's kind of like why we have this podcast, even though it wasn't because of them, but like the podcast, I think their presence in social media is, is, you know, better. <laughs> I think it's great, but it's definitely better. And we just digitally, digitally being able to communicate is, is there. So like, yeah, it'd be nice to have like one line of communication through the website for opinionated things. Or like you said, that great idea with like voting on shit or a survey like that's super important so like hopefully that that will come but you know it's people like you and and i think mark and i and and some others that are are willing to speak up and it takes a lot to speak up like it totally like this podcast has been great with with you on it and um we really appreciate you being honest because we've always said like our guests that kind of hold back and and try to play the the, the phony card like the it's the shittiest episode usually and and people that are willing to lay it out there and be honest like whether you like them or not like it's a great show and it flows and and i think the show really went well and like i've learned a lot and i'm really super even more pumped for down south and in, in chapter three and what you guys are doing at the university like it's exciting and i think people are excited to to know what's going on there right now because of you know listening to this yeah this was awesome well, I'm glad I <laughs> was able to meet you guys. Told you. You're all scared. I felt, like I felt like I had no business being on this podcast. Like I. Well, you you shown I some. Business. I think you're going to be shocked. <laughs> I think you're going to be shocked at the feedback that you get from this. Yeah, in it's a good way. Good on your head. Yeah, totally. I hope so. I just I don't know. I just want to fly whatever I'm allowed to fly and fly it well and fly it safe. And the that's more like, people that speak up. Thing. Yeah. And the more people, you know, just to wrap up a little bit, but like the you speaking up, you know, obviously like, you know, you're new, you're new to the sport or relatively new and, and um, you're super exciting and, and up and coming. So like the more people that are vocal, you know, gives people that are less vocal, more of a, um, an urge, not an urge. What, what's the right word I'm looking for here? A little motivation. Like a motivation. Yeah. To, to say what they want to say. Like, whereas like, you know, when Mark and I started this thing, however, it also vindicates episodes. their feelings, you know, yeah. like people feel like this, you know, and, and, and agree and don't speak up or don't feel like they can or, or, or haven't, or just don't. Right. But yeah, whatever the reason is, it's like, Oh, somebody else. Okay. I get it. Somebody, somebody gets me or, or and it's okay to be wrong too. Like we've been wrong on a show and gotten called out. Like I'm okay oh, being boy. wrong. Oh yeah. You know, but like, you know, you learn or whatever, like, and like we've talked about shit and it gets blown up on aerobatic pilots and and it but it creates like such great discussion that's the best part about this thing is like people start yeah. talking about it and like hopefully good things come at the end of the day and i think that you know people listening to you and and getting that that uh, uh gosh i'm like a lost for words right now getting that insight to like what what like as a female um a college employee a college student you know your age like you can't be 50 years old and and just read a book and expect to know how Angela Victoria is thinking unless like somebody from her age is is speaking. So like people should want to want to hear you and learn whether they agree with you or not, you know. Yep. Yeah, I guess. I mean, um 
I'm a pretty straightforward person and I'm, I'm really honest. Um, but I'm also pretty passionate about speaking up for like people who like don't really feel like they have much of a voice. And I think for, as far as the IAC is concerned, that is like the sportsman pilots, like (laughs) that are new, um, not the sportsman pilots that have been in the category for over five years. Um, like I love you guys. I love competing against you guys. They make (laughs) y'all make me a better pilot. Um, but like, yeah, I have, it's frustrating highest, at times. yeah, I have the highest amount of disdain for that particular category of person than I do in any other aspect of my life. Agreed. Um, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's frustrating because you're seeing the growth, not you've seen the potential, um, of what it could be and, and, and what's holding it back at times. Yeah. It's, hey. it's a good majority of people that are holding awesome. that specific category back well let's wait to uh let's do episode two another day and call all those those mofos out or whatever let's do it yeah <laughs> i'll have to we better wrap up down some names um <clears throat> and we'll do like an we could make it into like a roast oh there i love go. it yeah i'll like <laughs> hard-hitting research i'll look at like all of their scores and see if i can find some old footage of them talk to their buddies and we can like turn it into a roast yeah as long there as we, we roast lee hubner and I'm, I'm fine. I, listen, I'm not going to roast Lee Hubner. I refuse. Like Mark and I will go, go ahead. I, ref, but I refuse. He's, he's too supportive of the university chapter. Um, and I work closely with him. I'll roast him when I'm in person with him, but I'm not going to roast him without him being here. Whatever. We'll, we'll lie about it. <laughs> Why All right, guys, <laughs> we better we better wrap this thing up. I got to get going. Um, Angela, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank really you so much. Appreciate it. Um, where can people follow you, find you, promote all your stuff, promote IAC three? Um, IAC three is just IAC chapter three on Instagram. Um, I'm Angela Victoria two six on Instagram, and like that's really don't add me on Facebook. If I haven't met you at an aerobatic contest. And like you find my post or something on aerobatic pilots page, I'm not going to befriend you. I have no idea who you are. I get enough weird friend requests on a daily basis. Um, don't ask me to be your sugar baby. The answer will always be no. I get that. I get that all the time. Yeah. I mean, I got kind of creative with it one time. I told him I require like a thousand dollar deposit and like, I never hear back. So I was like, well, then it's just not even worth the effort. So, um, yeah. Totally get yeah, it. Universities. <laughs> I shouldn't follow up the university Instagram after saying sugar baby, but um that one's MGA goes inverted with some like underscores sprinkled in there. So you can search for it. Yeah, you can search for it. Put in that the effort. Um yeah. But I'm it's not MGA, really on- MGA underscore goes underscored inverted. Mm-hmm. Give you guys a follow. Yep. Cool. That's the one. Um and yeah, it's really the only social media that I have. Um, I'm not really awesome. looking to like blow up or anything. Um, no, it's just if people want to follow you and, and follow your journey and, 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 you know, yeah, just yeah. other competitors that I love seeing what other competitors are doing and like training yeah. and how to do a contest. Well, cool. then I'm just going to stop posting that so I can just like keep it a surprise until I show up. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Whatever works. Well, thanks again, Angela, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. 
Everybody, go head over to liftaviationusa.com. Use the promo code FlyCoolShit. Buy some stuff. Buy some kneeboards. Buy a helmet. And uh, get a discount at the in the process. Except for the helmet. But get a discount on most of the stuff. Shoes. All that good stuff. FlyCoolShit.com slash merch. Go buy some shirts. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 